Hey, strangers, welcome to season two, episode five of the Strange Sessions. I am Krista, and with me is Kurt. Kurt, how are you doing? Good. How are you doing? Good. Anything new and exciting in your Spring life? Spring is upon us, although it's still pretty darn cold. It is, but every year when it gets to be like this, I'm always like, sweet winter is done. And then yeah. every year, there's there's a snowstorm. We're going to be ass deep in snow at some <laughs> point in the near future because hey, that happens every year. New York is buried right now, so I we know. should feel pretty lucky. I know. I feel kind of bad for them. I don't. That, <laughs> I don't. Because <laughs> we're usually Not the ones all. in that predicament. Yep. It's going to be 50s next week, so. But we're still got a storm coming. Oh, for sure. April's always that month where you're like... It could be 70, it could be a blizzard, who knows. Or the morning, it could be 15 degrees, and by the afternoon, it could be 70 degrees, because right. that's just how it goes here in Wisconsin. Welcome to Wisconsin. Housekeeping? I don't, I don't think, think we, we have, have any, any housekeeping. No. Oh, I just want to give a shout out to my brother for yeah. being on the last episode. He did a really good job, and he a did. lot of people said that they could tell we were brothers because we talked alike. Oh, sure. We didn't necessarily sound alike, but no. they could tell from the, our enunciations yep. and the cadence mm-hmm. that... That we were brothers, so I thought that was cool. Yeah. But he'll definitely be back at some point. So thank you, Corey. Thank you yes. again for being on the episode. Thank you, Corey. Other than that, I don't think we really have any housekeeping. Nope. We have some think. actual shout outs, though, besides that, right? Yeah. Our two newest members in The Strangers, I want to give a shout out to Michael Anthony and Angela Bell. What's up, guys? Angela, I know in person. She's cool. my friend, Nikki's daughter. And Michael, we don't know. Michael, we don't know. Which is so always exciting. It is. There's We're getting more and more people. That we don't know. Yeah. And uh, Corey, my brother, told me that he's going to submit our podcast to a Reddit group. Which neither of pod- us will read. No, because Krista and I <laughs> are sensitive and I don't want to read I don't want to read the bad things people say about us. So. I don't want to have my feelings hurt. So Corey, go ahead and do that if you want to monitor that. and Only tell us the good only stuff. Only tell us the good stuff. And you can totally troll the people telling us, saying bad things about us. Oh yeah, Corey would be good at that. Corey can troll them. <laughs> nice. <laughs> But yeah, other than that, do we really have any shout outs? Nope, that's if it. You guys have, if you've been a long time listener and we haven't given you a shout out, let oh, us know. shame on us. Shame yeah. on us because we don't remember from week to week who we've given shout outs to. Yeah. So let us know. Give us a shout out. <laughs> you want a <laughs> shout out. I'm going to open my beverage. Oh, Kurt's drinking a cold brew Starbucks coffee. Starbucks cold brew coffee. Mm. I have been sleeping really bad lately, so I am super tired. We'll see if this helps. And it will keep you up all night. Mm-hmm. I could explain the sleeping problem. <laughs> yeah, probably drinking a coffee before bed probably is not open. Probably not. Um, I'm having, of course, my apple cider vinegar drink, apple cinnamon flavor that Kurt brings me every week. I haven't had that lately because I think I have a cavity. And when I drink the vinegar stuff, oh. that just kills Ow. my tooth. So instead of going to the dentist, <laughs> I'll just swear off the apple vinegar just drinks. Say, someone <laughs> needs to visit their dentist. I'm afraid of dentists. Well, I don't like them either, but I feel like the less you go, the more problems you have. Yeah. And the worse it is to go then. Yeah, but it's one thing to say that, another thing to actually do it. Sure. Do we have any new stories we want to discuss? Not that I can really think of. No, you guys have been doing. You guys have been doing a really good job of posting stuff in the strangers. A lot yeah. of news stories. You know, we had the one with the weird voicemail message, but we're, I think that's going to kind of come into play in Krista's into, story. Yeah, it's going to tie into what I'm. So thank about. you guys for being so active in the strangers group. Yeah, we love it. It is awesome when I wake up in the morning and see like ten notifications on my phone that people have posted in there. So thank you very much. That means a lot to us. Yeah. Hopefully, we still have people trickling in every week. 
Hopefully they like what they see. Our Heartland Paranormal Investigations group keeps getting likes, even yeah, though like nobody day, does anything. Every day I'm getting notifications that people so go weird. look at our Heartland Paranormal Investigations and page liking and it. like it. But even though we the, never no, post the anything. The last thing we posted there was telling people to come here to the site to listen to the podcast. Wow. So I have no Weird. idea where people are stumbling across our HPI page. There's not a link on our Facebook no. page, is there? I don't think so. I don't think so either. Weird. But we need to get back into Ooh. ghost investigating. Yeah, totally. Hopefully with summer coming up. Hopefully this place, the hey, school, will start being a little quiet. Strangers, if you have a local investigation the opportunity, let us know. Or if you're a rich stranger and can fly us to wherever you are where there's an investigation, sure. you know, knock yourself out. As long as you're not crazy. If you're half crazy, that's okay. <laughs> it's not full on crazy. Totally not like rich, Manson but only crazy. half crazy. Yeah. 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 Cool. And you guys have been doing a good job with the questions with our uh, anonymous yeah. question thing because I checked earlier this week and we had one and I just checked now to see if I could get access to it here and we have eight of them. So do you want to do that now? Well, yeah, we'll do we'll do one. We're gonna we're gonna space them out. Every week, we're going to do one. Because we're afraid we're not going to get any more. <laughs> yeah. Eight is pretty good. I saw that and I was like, really wow. Good. So I am going to look at the very first question in the line. So if you guys have asked a question, um, we will get to it. Yeah. So I'm trying to figure out how to do this where I can cover it. I feel this. like it would take a whole episode to go through all those questions. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out how I could do it where I can cover them up so I don't see oh. the rest of the questions. So... Here is today's question. And these are all anonymous, so we have no idea who asked it. The question is... <laughs> the question is, have the two of you ever hooked up? And if you did, how was it? <laughs> hey, no. what, what happens in the uh, old school <laughs> media studio couch? Uh, stays, stays in the stays. old school media couch. The answer to that is no. No. I'm sure we've discussed this. Krista is married. I've been with my husband for 21 years. <laughs> and her husband is awesome. Yeah, he is pretty Other awesome. than his... Kurt was at my wedding. Other than his uh, skepticism. His, oh, yeah, his skepticism for sure. But yeah, he's I totally awesome. Um, and it, if you've listened to the empath episode, I get a lot of flack for people for being way too open and honest about <laughs> stuff on the show, but sex kind of freaks me out, so I don't do it. <laughs> So no, we have never hooked up. <laughs> no, I think we've hugged. Oh yeah, lots we've of hugged, times. but that's about it. We're good friends. That's it. So no, the answer this to that chemistry question, is all friendship, people. It is, it is, and it drives me nuts it's that so funny. it drives me nuts that so many people think that guys and girls can't be friends yeah. without stuff getting all. So many of my best friends in my life have been girls. Yeah, that's you know, and it's never been a, a issue. Yeah. So no, we did not hook up. <laughs> <laughs> funny <laughs> thank you for asking the question yeah that was inevitable i think sorry we didn't have any juicy <laughs> yeah. stories to tell you wah, wah. oh well <laughs> so thank one. you for the question we will answer another one or should you want to do another Let's one do now? another one because okay. that was a quick one that was a quick one that didn't involve a whole it was lot a of quickie. explaining it was a quickie, <laughs> was a quickie. <laughs> okay next question If the Big Bang is real and created the universe, where did the elements come from that caused the Big Bang? Oh, man. Wow. I, I don't know. science question. I don't know. <laughs> I like the first question better. I don't know. You know, I, we talked about this in our reality episode that this universe might have just been a parallel universe that, you know, like we talked about last week with John Teeter where him going back in time created an alternate universe, like a, a different timeline. 
Mm-hmm. Some people think that that's what the Big Bang was, was oh. this timeline starting somehow. Interesting. I don't know. I mean, this, this this almost sounds like it could get into the whole, is there a God that right, created and who the created universe? God? That's the question. The, it, it reminds me of the question of if God created us, which I don't even know if I believe in, who created God? And yeah. the answer is that he's always been there, Yeah, which is really hard to wrap your head around. I, uh, my answer to this is I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like... I'm not smart enough. <laughs> I feel like there's something, I don't want to sound cheesy, but I feel like there is something magical about the way we came into, oh, absolutely. we came to exist. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, I believe in some kind of force out there. I don't know if you want to call it God or what. Yeah, I believe there's some kind of force and I believe that something happened to create the universe that we know. I, yeah, I don't have the answers. I think we no. need Neil deGrasse Tyson to step in. I would love for him to be on the show. <laughs> and give his theory on that. You know, the people that think this is a computer simulation think that the Big Bang was basically when we got blipped, when we got turned on and booted, and we booted, booted when up. we got booted and turned on, hmm. which I still think about from time to time, if that's possible. I try not to. But <laughs> I don't know where the elements would have came from that caused the Big Bang. I think some well, right. force, something not natural caused it. That's just my opinion. Hmm. It's it's really strange to try to wrap your head around. It is. It is. It's one of those things that when you start to think about it, you got to kind of stop because you get so freaked out because you feel so insignificant uh, yeah. and, and, you know, in I, the face I mean, of this huge thing. Yeah. Either way, it's whether you're talking religious or science, what created the thing that created everything? I wish that there could be, there might even be a belief system that, groups that like is a combination of science and religion i like that idea i think that's kind of cool not scientology though no not no not. well i don't know they have some good points uh, no i'm just kidding okay. they're they're <laughs> nuttier than squirrel poop i apologize to any scientologists oh god we're gonna get like they can get really uh nasty if you naysay scientology. i'm pretty sure we're not on their radar probably not probably not tom cruise isn't listening to this no he might sit in as a guest host one week. and <laughs> I'm not a fan, to be honest with you. Scientology is just goofy. It is very goofy. But I am scared to do an episode on that because they will <laughs> make right. your life hell. Call you, you know. a pedophile and like spread totally untrue rumors about you. Yeah, I get people doing that to me in everyday life. I don't need Scientologists <laughs> doing that. <laughs> so He's kidding. I am kidding. (laughs) So thank you for the questions. We have six more now. So if you guys want to ask any more. Those were good questions. Yeah. Fair. And, you know, the two questions both involve banging, which (laughs) is kind of cool. So we'll move on now to our taste test. Oh, I'm ready. And this one is going to be okay. This is not going to be. It's a not gross. This is a not gross one. At least I don't think it's gross. And I feel like you might have possibly tried it already. Okay. So we're going to see. I was Mm -hmm. with Corey when I got this. Corey says it's good. Okay. He did say the pickle candy was good. And And it was good. The pickle candy was good. For today, we have Jones Soda. I know you've had Jones Soda. Yeah. The peanut butter and jelly soda. Ooh, I've never had this. Okay, good. Uh, Ooh, I love peanut I butter. I love Jones Soda. Okay. You know, I'll... Ooh, I'm excited about this. Go on a little tangent here about the Jones Soda that they had. Are you jonesing for some Jones? <laughs> that they had a couple years in a row, and I don't even know if they still do it. They had the really gross holiday editions. 
Oh. Did you know that? No, like they were supposed to be gross? Yeah, they were supposed to be gross. Okay. They have, I have two of them at home. I have two. Corey bought them for Can me. Can I take a picture before you yeah. pour it? Corey bought them for me. Uh, the one At one night, we went to our friend Gary's house. It was me, Corey, our friend Aaron, and a couple other people, and Gary and his wife. And we opened up their, I think it was like 1994, 1995. They had a Thanksgiving edition. Where the like f- turkey or the five sodas in it were turkey and gravy. <laughs> oh my god! Cranberry sauce. I would like that. Pumpkin pie. I could maybe handle that. Wild rice pumpkin and herb stuffing. Oh no no no! And Brussels sprout. No. And we we did kind of like we do here on the podcast, where we all poured a little in a cup and drank it. Okay. And I will to to this day say that the Brussels sprout Jones soda was the worst thing i have ever drank in my life really it was just horrible everybody that's, that's interesting tried it interesting because because brussels sprouts are like mini cabbages and well, cabbage was, is like the main thing in sauerkraut and you love it was sauerkraut. brussels sprout and uh, prosciutto oh which is like like sam. a ham it's, it's like ham, yeah. yeah so it was that and it was just so it made these nasty ass Weird. jelly beans taste like <laughs> vanilla i mean they were it was that Better bad than a punch in the face of uh, a dead fish and the weird thing was that you would think the pumpkin pie or the cranberry sauce one would have been good and mm-hmm. they weren't mm. uh, the best one out of the bunch was the turkey and gravy really and it tasted like you were drinking cold carbonated gravy Blech. but they were just horrible aaron actually when he left he went out to the bar that night and before he got to the bar he threw up and he oh said it was God. weird because it tasted like just like a thanksgiving meal <laughs> <laughs> coming up <laughs> Gross. But that the Brussels sprout that is the worst. Uh-huh. The uh, wild the rice chivers. and herb stuffing was a close second. Mm. We were trying to describe what it tasted like, and then somebody in our little group finally said it tasted like Excedrin dissolved in dirty, soapy dishwater, <laughs> and that is exactly what it tasted like. So gross! It was horrible. And then, well, the, but the year after that, one of the ones they had was salmon pate. So I am glad we didn't oh, try that one. Yeah, we because had I guess some bad that one was just as bad as a Brussels sprout. I, I think they still do it. Or I think our they still pressed salmon bar we had a few episodes ago. <laughs> well, that was Ooh. horrible. So we are going to try the Jones cane sugar soda peanut butter and jelly. I'm pumped about this. I am too. Like I wanted to give us a little treat from. Thank you. I nothing love that... we've tried has really been horrible. Even the the. F- Ooh. Even the fish That bar, was horrible. It was bad, but I wouldn't say it was horrible. Well, and so was the dead fish jelly belly. That was bad. I love that the picture on the bottle is someone feeding a peanut butter and jelly sandwich to a cow. <laughs> the Joe and Soda <laughs> labels are actually super cool that you can send in your photos and they will make you oh, a... Really? They will make you a, like a six pack with your photo. Oh, that's cool. Where there. do you but get yet, this? We got this at a store in Green Bay. But Target usually has them. Oh. I've seen them all around Manitowoc. Walmart has them. They have oh, okay. They have the cream one. They have one called Fufu Berry. Okay. That, that's actually really good. So here we go. We're going to try this. I'm, I'm excited. I love peanut butter. I love peanut butter and jelly. It's weird because it looks like grape. Is it grape jelly? I'm assuming so. I could do the sniff test first. I'm not a big soda drinker. I don't like carbonation. Oh, it smells like peanut butter and jelly. It smells like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Oh, it does. <laughs> it smells just like a peanut butter and jelly That's sandwich. so weird. Okay, you ready? You ready? Okay. Go. I get much more jelly than peanut butter. I do get a little bit of peanut there. butter. It's there a little bit. It's actually pretty good. It's good, It yeah. tastes like grape soda with a little bit of peanutty flavor in it. Mm-hmm. You're not allergic to peanuts, are you? <laughs> 
pecans, Brazil nuts, and hazelnuts, okay. but not peanuts. Well, I it's the it peanut really, butter is in the aftertaste. Yeah, this is actually really good. It is very good. I wonder how many points this is. <laughs> oh, that's right. Chris does on Weight Watchers now. Mm, that's really good. I bet my husband would like that. That is mm. really good. Like you said, you get the peanut butter like as an it's aftertaste almost. Yeah. Interesting. Wow. Okay. Scale of one to ten. Ten. Seriously? Mm-hmm. I'm gonna give it a ten. I, think I don't it, really like. No, soda. I'm gonna give it a nine because it's something would have to be like ungodly good for me to give it a ten. Okay. I'm gonna give this a nine because I think this I, is I'll really really too. good. I'll go with a nine too. I kind of want to buy this again. Because really, there's like root beer that I I love. I love root beer, and I would put the root beer above that. A and W root beer, I think, is still the best. Mm. I love A and W root beer. That's our heater kicking in. Yep. Long, awkward pauses. That was really good. <laughs> I'm going to be sipping mine through the show. I kind of wish I had more. I'm not sick. Do you want mine? You could finish it if you want. I won't. Okay. There, we just hooked up. We shared a we soda. Just, yeah, Chris and I are sharing <laughs> soda, so that's a first step. <laughs> okay. Is it? Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I don't God, remember. I really it's like been that a soda. long time. I don't remember what the first step is anymore. I might give that a 10. I yeah. really do like it. It's good. It I makes like, me I really like, want peanut butter. <laughs> yeah, I like that the peanut butter taste mm-hmm. is like there at the end, mm-hmm. and it's not like overwhelmingly peanutty. That'd be weird if it were, I think. I wonder if that's Jiffy peanut butter in there. I bet it is. <laughs> I bet it is too. Mandela effect callback. Mm-hmm. You got an itchy nose there, buddy? Yeah. <laughs> I think I got like carbonation bubbles on my nose. Ah. Um... So the story for today's episode is that we were going to do one called, we were going to do an episode called My Favorite Murder, mm-hmm. which was going to be a ripoff of the- <laughs> I was going to say it was going to be an homage. It oh, was okay. not going to be a ripoff. Sure. It was going to be a ripoff of the podcast, My Favorite Murder, which we both enjoy. Yeah. But then after we kind of yanked the paranormal stuff away from our sister podcast, Paranormal Palaver, they are going to start doing a true crime podcast. Called the True Crime Crew. Which I am super excited about because... Yeah, we just need to get started. Yeah, get started because I want to <laughs> listen to it. The only thing delaying us is we don't have music. So Joe and I, my, he's on Paranormal Palaver as well. Um, we also host a podcast for work called Off the Clock. It's really good. It's available on all your podcasting apps. Check it out. Um, but yeah, we need to compose some music. And once we have the music for the podcast, we will get going because the i mean it's like true crime the topics never stop it's not like we're gonna run out of stuff to talk about so we could start right away and i have you know a long list of topics i want to cover right away yeah i mean i want to listen to it because i'm fascinated by that stuff too yeah so instead of doing a my favorite murder episode Mm -hmm. we chris and i are doing a my favorite mini mystery Mm -hmm. where we each pick a topic that we don't think you could really do a whole episode about but that we're still fascinated Mm -hmm. with Mine you probably could, but Mine, I, I can you could drag it. it out, but... You could drag any topic out, Yeah, but should you? I don't know. So, Chris and I are each going to do a story. I don't know what Krista's doing. Krista knows what I'm doing, but she knows nothing I about the story about that it, I'm yeah. doing. Kurt, so, Kurt will recognize this and probably know a little bit about it. Hopefully. Oh, you will, for sure. Okay. Everybody, I so think everybody Krista's going to do her story first, yeah. and then after hers, I will do my story. So, should I get started? Is that my cue? That is your cue. <laughs> So oh, my, just just so you know, oh. I'm moving the soda up to a ten because Are I you? really like this. You really like yes. it? it is I really good. like this, so I moved it up to a ten. I'm sticking with my nine. Wow. I gave it a ten at first, but I. St- I talked you out of it, and now I talked myself right. into it. 
funny. We just can't decide. We did a flip-flop. Okay, are you ready? Ready. My topic for today is Malaysia Airlines Flight 370. Ooh. I have been fascinated by this topic because I realize, okay, if you don't know, this is a, an airlines that was an airline that was flying from Kuala Lumpur in Malaysia to Beijing and it just disappeared <laughs> with 239 people on board and it's never been found. And I realized that in the grand scheme of things, planes crash and there are other planes that have gone missing, but I just can't wrap my head around how a huge airliner carrying, you know, close to 250 people just goes missing, never to be seen again. Didn't they find traces of it in the ocean or no? Some parts. But not... But not the plane. The main. So, so I have a timeline of what happened. So this should, this should go pretty quickly. It's like, you know, minute by minute. Is this better than the Maura Murray timeline? I, got, I hope so. I got it from <laughs> CNN. I feel like CNN is probably a reputable source for the timeline. And actually, I double checked a few different websites and they all had relatively the same timeline. So this happened on March 8th, 2014. Um, at 1241 a.m., the plane takes off from Kuala Lumpur. And everything's working. It's a Boeing 777-200ER, whatever that means. Um, it's the Malaysian capital is where it's leaving and it's headed for Beijing. The aircraft communications addressing and reporting system, also called ACARS, I think. ACARS, ACARS. It's referenced several times. So if I say ACARS, that's what I'm talking about. Um, one of the plane's communication systems sends what turns out to be its last transmission, according to Malaysia Airlines CEO Ahmad Jahari Yaya. <laughs> I'm doing my best here, people. Close enough. It showed nothing unusual. The 107 AM transmission showed a normal routing all the way to Beijing. According to a statement from Malaysia's Ministry of Transport, Kurt's loving that. Soda. I really do. <laughs> Chris had just saw me having a soda gasm. He over was. Here. He was having a moment. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this um, aircraft communications addressing and reporting system—it's an onboard computer that collects information and a lot of information about aircraft and pilot performance. It's akin to computers and automobiles that track oil level, oil levels, and engine performance. Um. The, it measures thousands of data points, blah, blah, blah. So this thing is really invaluable yeah. for figuring out what what's happening at any given moment. So at 1.19 a.m., so they, they took off at 12.41. It sent out this communication at 1.07 a.m. 1.19, there's a voice check-in. Someone from the cockpit makes a voice check-in with air traffic controllers as the plane is leaving Malaysian airspace and entering Vietnamese airspace. Initial investigations indicate it was the co-pilot, Farik Abdul Hamid, according to Malaysia Airlines officials. What his final words were, all right, good night. And apparently good night is a phrase that airline pilots use um, when they're handing over communication from one airspace to another. It's like a common phrase that they use. I didn't know that. He said the, this guy that they're talking to, Quest, his last name is Quest. Richard Quest, he's a CNN aviation and airline correspondent. Um, it's normal, it happens a gazillion times. All right, good night is a pleasantry at the end of radio communication. So that happened at 1.19. At 1.21 a.m., the plane's transponder stops communicating. And it, this is something that sounds like a squawk to radar systems about the flight number, altitude, speed, and heading. So 
it's really useful to air traffic controllers. At 1.22 a.m., the plane disappears from Thai military radar. Um, the military's radar is tracking the plane's signal, but it disappears at 1.22 a.m. And that at, at 1.28 a.m., the radar picks up an unknown aircraft, which is kind of strange. It's flying in a direction opposite to what Flight 370 had been traveling. From And this could explain it. From 1.21 a.m. to 1.28 a.m., the plane appears to change course. So it's literally heading on one heading and then almost does like a hairpin turn and starts going in a completely different direction. The Malaysian government has not said when or if the plane was reprogrammed to fly off course or if it was done manually. Why wouldn't they say? I, they, they don't know. Oh. I don't think they're able to tell that. Oh. Because the, the ASCARs or ACARs, ACARs at, 107, at 107 a.m. had indicated that the routing was programmed all the way to Beijing. So it, it almost seems like it would have to have been like a manual Manually turn. intervention or yeah. something. Around 1.30 a.m., civilian radar loses contact with the plane. Um, at this point, it's over the Gulf of Thailand between Malaysia and Vietnam. And it gives coordinates, but if you want them, I guess it's uh, 06-55-15 north and 103-34-43 east. We use it was in geocaching and geocaching all the time. <laughs> yeah, coordinates. Yeah. So that was 1.30 a.m. At 1.37, they're, expected, they're expecting another ACARS transmission, but it doesn't happen. It was supposed to transmit a half hour after the last one, and obviously it didn't happen, and it stopped communicating sometime between 1.07 and 1.37 a.m. It's a significant event. Turning off this system takes know-how. You can't just flip a button. No, it's, it's not something just an on-off switch. Yeah, that's something that's pretty complicated. If the flight were hijacked or a target of terrorism, cutting it off would be strategic because the system reports to satellites anything being done to the aircraft, not just where you are, yeah. but what's happening inside the aircraft too. At 2.15 a.m., um, even though the plane's not transmitting information by ACARS or a transponder, radar on the ground or elsewhere can still detect a plane in the air. And according to a Malaysian Air Force official, military radar tracked the plane as it passed over the small island of Pulau Parak in the Strait of Malacca. Wow. <laughs> you might want to Google that because yeah. <laughs> I'm not even sure if I said it right. <laughs> At this point, the plane was hundreds of miles off course. In fact, it was on the other side of the Malay Peninsula. Military radar showed that it flew in a westerly direction back over the Malay Peninsula, um, and that was the last time any civilian or military radar is known to have tracked the aircraft. So at that point, the focus turned to searching for the flight in the southern Indian Ocean because I guess that was more plausible, the direction it was heading. Um, the... Malaysian military handed over its raw radar data to U.S. and British officials, apparently setting aside concerns about any sensitive military intelligence, which is interesting. Mm -hmm. um, Quest, the CNN reporter, called that a huge development in the case. They don't want anyone to know how good their radar is, so the fact that they handed that over was kind of saying a lot. Yeah. Um, at 2.40 a.m., Malaysian Airlines... 
actually says it just learned the plane is missing from radar. Malaysian air traffic controllers told Malaysia Airlines that it was missing from radar. This is funny. It gives you like a headline and then it repeats it. I apologize. (laughs) From 2.40 to 3.45 a.m., the airline sourced every communication that it possibly could to try to find the whereabouts of the plane um, before declaring that it had lost contact. Uh, At 3.45 a.m., they issued a red coat or a code red alert that the plane was missing from radar um, at 6.30. So this is quite a jump. This is when the plane should have arrived in Beijing. And so there are people waiting there for their family members. Have you seen any of the photos of that? Yeah, no, I haven't. Oh, I, really I kind of don't want to. When they find out that they don't know where the plane is. Uh, it's crazy. There's nothing worse than that. So let's see. You can edit all this out, right? Yep. So there's... um. Oh, somebody's pulling up. Of course. That looks like a monster truck. So it says that the, they tried to do what's called satellite handshakes, quote-unquote handshakes, at 8.11 a.m. Um, the s- satellite tracked a plane. It said tracked the plane at 8.11 a.m., more than seven hours after takeoff. Um, Details on the satellite tracking weren't provided, but it appears that the orbiters high above the ocean detected the plane as the satellite or satellites attempted a series of handshakes or what they call internet, or I'm sorry, electronic connections, but the plane didn't complete the handshake because its communication systems were disabled either, you know, manually or by... Whatever happened to it. The whole tech aspect of this just kind of amazes me because I don't right. think about all the stuff that goes on behind I, the scenes when it comes to that stuff. Especially you know? in this day and age. Yeah. I don't think it was like this back in the day. No. You know, like in the 60s, no. but it's crazy. It's crazy how much is out there keeping track of you, you know? Right. It's impressive. So even though it didn't complete the handshake the raw satellite data confirmed that it was mh370 um but they were unable to confirm the precise location of the plane when it last made contact with the satellite which kind of makes it a little bit uh useless if you ask me (laughs) um you know is it underwater at that point is it crashed somewhere it you know it doesn't mean it's in flight just because it yeah you know oh that was loud so this is some of the, so that's basically what happened. It, the gist of it is that it made an abrupt turn. It stopped making contact. It went off radar, and it seemed like they were able to pick it up occasionally on various radars and satellites, but it wasn't communicating anymore. Um, so there have been some confirmed pieces found. A wing flap was found in Tanz- Tanzania in yeah. June. So this happened in March. It's confirmed to have been part of the plane. A plane wing fragment found in Meridius. <laughs> These, of course, all have to be names I don't know how to pronounce. <laughs> um, a flapperon found in Reunion Island in July. Australian officials have confirmed that it was part of the jetliner, and it's the first trace of the plane since it vanished. 
uh, numbers inside of it match. I think that's what they're doing. They find serial numbers yeah, or part numbers match or whatever with, that with match. Yeah. And then there's a list of highly likely parts that they haven't been able to confirm 100%. A cabin interior panel, an engine engine cowling, whatever that is, main cabin interior panel, horizontal stabilizer, blah, blah, blah. And then there's other pieces that are just sort of speculated to have been part of the, but nothing's been confirmed. So, so this is really it. I mean, the plane went missing. They found a few pieces of it, but not enough to even confirm what happened. I mean, I think you could assume that it I just I remember crashed. hearing so many weird. Yeah, I have conspir- a list of theories. Okay. <laughs> my my thing is that uh, to me, it always seemed like after it made that sudden turn, it would have nosedived into the ocean. And it didn't. It continued to fly for several hours. Because the way the satellites were picking it up, it was several hours off course. Off course. <laughs> Of course. <laughs> of course. Of course at that point. I might leave that in. Which is just so crazy, yeah. you know? Like, what's yeah. going on? It can, it makes you think, what were the passengers doing at that time? What yeah. were they thinking? Like, yeah. it's crazy. Yeah, I don't like to think about that stuff. Like, I like, mean, planes but, crash. But this is a weird, really yeah. weird situation, yeah. what happened here. So just a few days ago, this week, an Australian... No. An Austrian mechanical engineer who claims to have worked in crash investigations for more than 25 years insists that he found images of the wreckage on Google Earth riddled with bullet holes. Wow. He had been pouring through Google Earth images and images available through NASA. I guess they must have satellite images that you can look through. He believes the aircraft is located 10 miles south of Round Island, which is north of that Mauritius, which is one of the places that a... I think a confirmed piece of the plane was found. However, experts, as in official investigators, claim the photo, the photos that the guy provided were taken years before the flight actually went missing. Jeez. Oh, More specifically, one of the photos was from November 6th of 2009, which is four years before the plane ever went missing. I was going to say, do they think that the plane that showed up like near it or something did something to it? I think... I don't know if they think there was another craft or if they were just picking up the fact that the plane yeah. had completely changed course. Yeah, that's true. Because it was heading in the opposite yep. direction. So, of course, here are the theories. And I, I've heard this first one, that one of the pilots decided to commit suicide. Yeah, with everybody else. Right. Murder-suicide that, that, that's is what not you call really it. suicide <laughs> when you take how many people with you. Um, terrorism or hijacking, of course. Remote or cyber hijacking. I remember that was on the news quite a bit, that, you know... We have planes that are basically run by computers. But if if you hijack something, are you going to hijack it that far out over? And what would be the point? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Usually hijacking, the point of it is to cause some kind of mass casualty like 9-11. Hello. Or for money or you're going to land it somewhere. Yeah. And... The weird thing is, is we don't know what happened to the plane. It never landed anywhere that we can think of. Although, or that we know of. I, I rem- It's not on my list, but I remember hearing that, was it Russia had, there was an island that belongs to Russia that satellite images showed that an airstrip had been constructed and then deconstructed really? right around that time. Really? Yeah. I think it was Russia. Why would Russia take the plane? I mean, that... Well, it's funny because one of the things on here says that Vladimir Putin 
didn't do it, but he knows where it is. Oh, really? <laughs> Due to secret spy satellites that he has. But he doesn't want to tell anybody that he knows because then we know about his secret spy, you know, satellites. Oh. Mm-hmm. Um, meteor has been, a meteor took the plane out, which doesn't really explain why it would switch courses like that. Yeah. Um, it's North Korea shot it down, of course. It's on the moon. That was one of the Ooh, theories I saw. Really? <laughs> yep. Um, aliens. Of, of course, course, aliens. Ancient aliens. Ooh. Not just aliens. Ancient, <laughs> ancient aliens. aliens. The U.S. military shot it down. And I have two slightly longer um, theories. So th- they had a lot of volunteer investigators who were working on this. And this one investigator, investigator Andre Milne, said that the plane's official manifest says that 239 people went missing. There were officially 226 passengers on the flight. Four of them failed to board and another 12 crew, which makes a total of 238. So there, there's like an unaccounted person they're really? saying on the plane. But a spokesperson for the investigation team said, we're aware of this discrepancy. The actual number of passengers on board is 227. Um, and last minute changes to yeah. flights can explain yeah. that. I mean, people cancel. They'll let, yeah. you I know, mean, that's... Seats open up, think, whatever. I don't see that as being no. really shocking. So this theory is the least mysterious and probably, it sounded really likely to me. And this person that I got the theory from, Chris Goodfellow, has 20 years experience as a Canadian Class 1 instrumented rated pilot for multi-engine planes. And he said a fire seems like the most logical explanation. Um, he said, in the case of a fire, the first response is to pull the main buses and restore circuits one by one until you have isolated the bad one if they pulled the buses the plane would go silent so there would be no communication it probably was a serious event and the flight crew was occupied with controlling the plane and trying to fight the fire aviate navigate and lastly communicate is the mantra in such situations so what he thinks happened is that the flight crew was overcome by smoke and the plane just continued on the heading after it switched what about the passengers? Directions. Well, everybody probably would have been overcome by smoke yeah. if there was a fire. And it went on autopilot and ran until it ran out of fuel or the fire destroyed it and it crashed. That is a pretty likely... I mean, it seems like the least, you know, nefarious of all of the explanations. Yeah. This, and it, to me, it almost seems like the most likely If there was some kind of electrical problem or whatever and everyone was overcome with smoke... But don't you think that they would have tried to... It could even explain why the flight changed courses yeah because it had just left malaysia it wasn't too far but out i don't when think it that the, the flight crew would have been knocked out so quick that they couldn't have made some kind of radio call you know made a radio call well unless, unless the circuit tree that true. he was talking about they went silent true and he said that actually using oxygen masks in a fire is a bad idea yeah it is. <laughs> so how would you you know how would you stay safe from the smoke there'd, yeah. there'd be no escape from it on a plane do you, do you remember when people used to be able to smoke cigarettes on a plane no i mean i obviously ne- have never been that you could smoke cigarettes on an airplane that's insane in hospitals you could smoke <laughs> in hospitals okay <laughs> now we're getting off course here but <laughs> so those are just some of the kooky you know explanations fire to be the least kooky of that but this ties in now to something that nicole posted on the strangers yes so this um 
voicemail. So this guy on Twitter named Ty, and his handle is strayed away on Twitter. He was the first person. I guess more than one person has gotten these voicemails. Um, but he received a weird, mysterious voicemail on his uh, smartphone of what sounds like a robotic, well, sort of like an automated female voice. Yeah. Like, you know, if you have automated voicemail, it's that woman who says, so-and-so is yeah. not available. It's yep. that voice. Yeah. But she's reading off some kind of like military code. It's like it's the, like, like the phonetic officers. alphabet where it's like alpha, beta, yeah. you know, alpha. Which is what police Charlie officers Tango. do when they're yeah. reading like license, license plates. plates or whatever. So when you take this code and write it down, it actually spells a message. And the message is danger, SOS. It is dire for you to evacuate. Be cautious. They are not human. SOS, danger, SOS. And apparently the number sequence that's in the voicemail appears to be a set of coordinates when plugged into Google Maps led to a location in Africa and another near Malaysia. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Apparently very close to where MH370 vanished from radar. That's interesting. So some are speculating that the voicemail was a recording of the plane's encounter with an alien aircraft, which to me seems... I don't know if that's what happened, but it's yeah. an interesting coincidence, I guess. And I feel like this topic of these voicemails, we could do a whole show on this because yeah. I started going down that rabbit hole. Yep. This guy who originally posted it, he's starting to receive, if this isn't a hoax, like other coded messages, like Morse code and messages telling him to take down the post about the voicemails and like all this weird stuff. And he said he saw someone at 3 a.m. in the morning taking pictures of his house wow. like with a camera with a flash really yeah so oh, wow. i feel like this is a rabbit hole we could go down with a whole new episode better than me because you know i don't like phone things phones <laughs> there's things yeah. about phones that creep me out i don't like phone we could do a whole episode on we that, could do a whole actually. there was that family where they were supposedly getting messages to their like text messages do you ever see that story? Maybe no, we'll, we'll say so. that. We'll do yeah, an episode about about me. phone stuff. So that's my that's my mini mystery. It's interesting because it's actually pretty recent. There's a lot of people Can't that are really still fascinated it. by that too, trying to figure totally. out what happened. Well, there's 239 people missing. <laughs> that's crazy. I just never felt like it was missing. I think it just went into the ocean and they can't find it because the ocean's pretty it's big. It's very vast. Yeah. It's very vast. What's really strange about it to me is the fact that it just switched yeah. directions like that and flew for hours without making any kind of contact. So that's why it makes me think something stranger suspicious was going on and then like you said Terrorist, you wonder whatever. you wonder what was what the people on the plane right. were experiencing or thinking at the time that what's, always just kind of creeps me what's out what's odd is would you have i suppose you wouldn't have any kind of cell phone reception no because in 9-11 people on those planes were texting and leaving voicemails yeah, for their loved ones i don't ones. get cell phone reception here where we are much <laughs> less in the middle I. of the ocean we have wi-fi though we do so that's mine cool very good All i right. didn't know you were gonna do that one yeah that was not something i thought of but yeah, that's still, it's fascinating. I mean, there's still stuff that pops up in the news all the oh, time totally. from that. Yeah. So I'm hoping that there's some closure for that, that they find out. Me what too. I'm, I'm assuming if they me. find. They're going to find point, it eventually. At this point though, what's going to be left? You know, it's been how long? Well, if it's, but a, if they find, if it's like, underwater. Burned, if they find burned bodies. Bones. You know? I think at yeah. this point they'd be bones. It's four yeah. years ago. So I don't know. Hmm. Very cool. Maybe it's a lost situation. They're on that's an island somewhere. That's kind of somewhere. what I was thinking of. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, the, um, 
phone message kind of reminds me of Lost where they had the the numbers, mm. the Lost numbers going, but then it reminds me of the number stations too. And oh, if you right. don't know what number stations are... That's really cool. Yeah, look up number stations on YouTube and you can hear recordings of actual number stations really creep me out. It like had to the, do with like spies this, and stuff, right? Yeah, it yeah. has to do with spies. I mean, it's spying... They do it on the show, The Americans, that I love. That's how they contact like the Russian spies here is mm-hmm. through the number stations. I watched a movie on that. I think it was called The Number Station. It yeah. was really good. But those those have always really fascinated me. So, my story that I chose, some of you probably don't know about this, but I'm guessing some of you do. And I'm thinking the ones that do will probably realize in the first sentence where I am going with this. <laughs> so, here's my story. All right. On February 6th, 2000, a new entry appeared on the website coinop.org, which was an online database of arcade games. The new entry was for an arcade game called Polybius, named after the ancient Greek historian. And according to the entry, the game was created in 1981. Here is the original Polybius entry. So I'm going to obviously be doing the legend of Polybius. (laughs) All right. So this was the entry that appeared on that website, which was the database of arcade games. Polybius. This game had a very limited release, one or two backwater arcades in a suburb of Portland. The history of this game is cloudy. There were all kinds of strange stories about how kids who played it got amnesia afterwards, couldn't remember their names or where they lived, etc. The bizarre rumors about this game are that it was supposedly developed by some kind of weird military tech offshoot group used some kind of proprietary behavior modification algorithms developed for the CIA, and kids who played it woke up at night screaming, having horrible nightmares. Okay, this reminds me right away of um, the experiments the military did on kids. What was that called? Oh, what was that called? There's like a specific name. MKUltra? Yes, MKUltra. Thank you. We're going to have an episode on MKUltra. Okay, we definitely have to. And this is still from the entry. According to an operator who ran an arcade with one of these games, guys in black coats would come to collect records from the machines. They weren't interested in quarters or anything. They just collected information about how the game was played. That's weird. The game was weird looking, kind of abstract, fast action with some puzzle elements. The kids who played it stopped playing games entirely, and one of them went on to become a big anti-video game crusader or something. <laughs> really? We've contacted one person who met him, and he claims the machines disappeared after a month or so, and no one ever heard about them again. Until the ROM showed up. And a ROM is like the computer code for a game. Like if you have an emulator, oh, okay. you know they're illegal, kind of. So I, I'm not saying that I have on my Spring <laughs> Sessions computer a Super Nintendo or Nintendo emulator and ROMs, but I'm not saying I don't have it. <laughs> so that's what ROMs are. It's basically the computer code of the game that if you have an emulator and you get, get the ROM, you can play the, the game, the original game on, on your, your computer. computer. So that's what the ROM is. Okay. That's very techy. And then he said, until the ROM showed up. Here's what we found so far in the ROM. We found English strings quote, insert coin, unquote, and, quote, press one player start, end quote. It looks like a one or two player game. The text in the game says copyright 1981, and I'm going to massacre this word because I can't speak German, Sinnesschlossen. <laughs> and then he wrote maybe a German company. And then it says, if anyone has heard any additional information about this game, we'd appreciate hearing about it. Oh, okay. And... At the time, people looked into it, and Sinisloshin, which was the name of the company, 
is poorly translated German for the phrase senses deleted. Well, that's creepy. Yeah. So that was 2000. Then in September 2003, in an issue of Game Pro magazine, which I used to read all the time, okay. Polybia showed up as part of a feature story on video games called Secrets and Lies. This was the first known printed mention of the game, exposing the Polybius legend to a huge audience. The article declared the existence of the game to be inconclusive. After the Game Pro story, posts began to periodically appear where people mentioned seeing the game or playing the game. People who claimed to have played the game reported having nightmares, temporary amnesia, seizures, severe depression, bouts of missing time, and often believed that they were being followed and monitored on a daily basis after playing the game. There are even rumors of a possible suicide after someone played Polybius. Would Okay, do these people know about the side effects going into it? I don't think so. <laughs> the game itself is said to have first appeared at the Malibu Grand Prix Arcade between 1979 and 1981 in Portland, Oregon. Okay. Then, in 2006, someone named Stephen Roach posted a long, rambling post in the coinop.org forums. I'm not going to read the whole thing because it's long. (laughs) These are some of the things he said. I think it's about time I laid this to rest, however entertaining the speculation. My name is Stephen Roach. I'm primarily based in the Czech Republic. And now remember this. He's in a Czech Republic because this comes, this is important. Sinislaushin was a company set up by myself and several other mainly amateur programmers in 1978. We were approached around 1980 by a Southern American company that shall remain nameless for legal purposes to develop an idea they had for producing an arcade game with a puzzle element that centered around a new approach to video game graphics. Marek Vasucek was the programmer who came up with the name Polybius. He had studied Greek mythology and came up with the name because it sounded bold and mysterious, which is what we wanted. We received heartening playtesting figures and were then told that the game would receive a temporary limited release But shortly after that, we received terrible news. A 13-year-old boy from Portland, Oregon, had suffered an epileptic fit while playing the game only six days after the machines had been installed. Every effort was made to withdraw the game from the arcades as quickly as possible, but the scaremongering was already out in force and a lot of the children were lining up or daring their friends to play this supposedly nightmarish game. So that doesn't surprise me, actually. Seizures, because flashing lights can cause seizures. Company directors descended on the town to assess the situation, which may account for the reports of strange men in black suits hanging around. We disbanded Sinishloshans shortly afterwards. So this guy is claiming to have been part of the team that created the game in the first place. Okay. As the years went on, the legend of Polybius grew and continues to grow to this day. There is a new podcast that just came out recently that weaves the Polybius legend into a fictional story. That's cool. And the game has become sort of an in-joke, appearing in the background of arcade scenes in several movies and shows, including The Simpsons, Wreck-It Ralph, the sitcom The Goldbergs, and several other sitcoms and movies. Really? Yeah, there's a, there's a picture online where you can see Bart Simpson's in an arcade and he's playing a game and right next, right next to it is Polybius. That's strange. And then it says, like, property of the U.S. government or something on it. Huh. So that's that's the basic gist of Polybius is that this there was this game that was like a mind control like a mind controlling game. Wow, that's an interesting. I mean, that's an interesting theory. It that, is, you know, and and I could actually. But there there are people that swear to God that they movie. played this game and it affected them. Huh. So there's two theories, as okay. usual. The two theories. The first theory, it's real. Sure. 
maybe possibly i don't think it's all that far-fetched i don't either um you know there was that thing with the pokemon cartoon where kids in japan had epileptic seizures because pikachu was flashing yeah but stephen roach who claimed to be one of the designers of the game may be the same stephen roach who had been the security director of a notorious quote behavioral modification center unquote for teens called Sunrise Beach in Baja, Mexico, and at a second facility in the Czech Republic, which is where he claimed to be from. Sure. The umbrella organization that Roach worked for ran reform centers around the world where the techniques used to reform children and teenagers included starvation, beatings, being tied or chained to beds, being forced to eat vomit, lay in urine, blood, and feces, and in most cases, rape and molestation. That sounds like a normal nineteen early 1900s <laughs> yeah. mental institution. Yeah. <laughs> Stephen Roach and his wife, Glenda, were arrested in May of 1996 while running a facility called, Sunset, or it's called Sunrise Beach. After three teenage girls escaped from the institution, banging down the doors of a nearby police station and complaining of abuse, an inspector visited the facility and found the facility to be more like a prison or torture system than a reform center. After being released... Roach went back to the Czech Republic in 1998. Roach again started his character modification, just as he had in Mexico, for those who did not conform to the program's brainwashing techniques. Hmm. Children were once again subjected to isolation, starvation, physical torture, and humiliating abuse. He was arrested in November 1998, along with his wife, and was charged with a variety of offenses, including child torture. People theorize that Polybius was something that Roach may have been working on to brainwash or somehow modify problem children, and the test run of Polybius in arcades led to disastrous results. So that's, but people don't know if, because the guy that wrote that, Stephen Roach that wrote that long rambling thing, apparently screwed some stuff up. I guess he spelled his name wrong once in there. Oh, really? But then people are saying... Well, couldn't that just be a typo? Yeah, people are saying that maybe he found out this Stephen Roach guy that was into all this behavioral modification stuff. But, you know, I don't know. But the thing is... When was this? The Polybius? No, the Stephen Roach. When When was he writing the comments about how he was part of that company? That was in... 2006 mm. you know but in the late 70s when he said that Sinnesloshen was around or whatever that video games had just started appearing so I could see if he really wanted to like monitor to reform kids and maybe he was looking into a way to use not subliminal messages or flashing signals or something to yeah to basically brainwash the kids and the people that think that this is real think that that's probably what happened is that he created this video game and it messed these kids up whatever was in the game Mm -hmm. whether it's subliminal messages or some sort of pattern of flashing lights right or something like that and theory number two it didn't happen (laughs) Uh, one of the explanations is of course that it's a hoax Mm -hmm. someone made up a story posted it on coinop.org and the story took on a life of its own from there like john teeter kind of like john teeter Hmm. which is amazing if you think about it, that you can go on some site and you Create can just type something in five minutes and then people will still be talking about it 20 years from Slenderman. the day. You know? <laughs> I keep going back to Slenderman. To me, the most likely combination of, you know, I want to believe that this existed. The most likely to me 
explanation of this is that it's a combination of a bunch of different things that happened around that time. Hmm. In a Portland arcade in 1981, a player named Michael Lopez collapsed with a migraine headache after playing the video game Tempest, which was the game that Polybius was said to be similar to for a long period of time. And he gave him a migraine headache and he collapsed. On the same day, 12-year-old Brian Morrow suffered from stomach pain and collapsed after playing Asteroids for 28 hours in an attempt to break a world record. I feel like that's just, you know, exhaustion at yeah, that, that point. Yeah, that it is. And the, it said that he was drinking nothing but soda and eating yeah. nothing but candy bars. 28 so, hours? <laughs> for 28 hours. That's insane. So in that Portland arcade on the same day, two people basically collapsed. I'm thinking of how kids talk. Suddenly two yeah. really sort of mundane things yeah. turn into legend. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Just 10 days later, the FBI raided several arcades in the Portland area where the owners were suspected of either dealing drugs or using the machines for gambling. The raid involved FBI agents opening and checking arcade cabinets for signs of tampering and also recording high scores, which would account for them opening the, the rumors yeah. of the men in black or whatever coming and looking at mm-hmm. the machines. And not caring about the money. Yeah. Also during that two-week period at an arcade in Illinois, 18-year-old competitive gamer Jeff Daly was attempting to set a world record playing the video game Berserk when he died of a heart attack while playing the game. Oh, my gosh. That's not funny. No, <laughs> but... I remember Berserk. I used to like Berserk. That's the one that had like a... I just remember it had this bouncing, mm. smiling ball that would come out, and it was called Evil Auto, and it would, okay. if it hit you, it would kill you. And then in 1980, the game Battlezone appeared in arcades, and I actually played this one. Okay. It was one of the very first, if not first, first-person shooter, and it had what was called vector graphics, which, if you think of video games in an arcade from the early 80s, it had just like the straight line yeah. that was usually bright red or bright green, and everything was made up of these straight lines, and that's oh, basically sure. what Polybius was said to be like, okay. and Tempest was the same way. The game Battlezone appeared in arcades in 1980. It was one of the first first-person shooters. The Army commissioned the creators of the game to create a similar game called the Bradley Trainer for soldiers to use as targeting training for gunners on the Bradley fighting vehicle. Hmm. So there's all this stuff that happened kind yeah. of all at once, and a lot of people think that the Polybius story grew from, from I mean, all that, these different yeah, things. Yeah, that sounds logical. So my favorite theory is, I think it's that last one, that it was a combination of all those stories, hmm. you know, but there are people who swear that the game existed and that they did play it hmm. and that it affected their minds or gave them nightmares. Maybe it's a Mandela effect. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but the thing is, you know, the, the one thing is that I was around in those days going to arcades in the mm-hmm. early 80s and the idea that they were going in and looking at names and stuff i mean you could maybe put your initials in there if it was like a state-of-the-art right you could usually put your three initials in there right yeah, you know, yeah there was yeah. no full name there was no mm-hmm. you know when people said well maybe they had cameras recording you and anybody who remembers what video cameras were like in 1981 they were like the size of a microwave right you know you could not stick one in the machine there was a you know i think uh, like people even like surveillance camera do they even have surveillance yeah they would have but they would no, have been not no? not in 1981 no no Okay. People, you know, thinking about this, part of this stuff is that when you think about this, you think about it using the frame of reference of now. Right. We're you so think about monitors, you think about tiny yeah. cameras and all that. And, it, you know, some people don't stop to think that back in 1981, you didn't have little 
little cameras. You know, every no. camera was the size of an oven. It was right. huge. So people sometimes don't think about the the distance between now and then mm-hmm. because they're so used to thinking of the, the of the now. Right. You know, so I just don't think it's feasible that there would have been any sort of record of who played it or you know, say if they were looking at how people played it, how are they going to find these people? Right. You know, By which their makes initials. which makes no which makes <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, with their three initials which makes absolutely no sense. Hmm. But that being said, there are people that swear this happened, that this was a real thing, that there was this video game that was manipulating people's minds, causing them to forget who they were, causing like them to wake up screaming. people now say that? Are there people posting about it now? Who claim? Yeah, but now, like I said, there's this podcast that somebody started where... But you it's know, fictionalized, isn't it? It's fictionalized, but people are going to hear that and not realize it's fictionalized. Mm. So now the thing's kind of taken a life on its own where where people are actually building arcade cabinets, the plebeious arcade cabinets. If you look online, there's like a ton of different ROMs you can download that are supposedly the plebeious game. Mm-hmm. So people have, you know, kind of embraced this. And at this point, there's no, I mean, there's so much out there that people are creating about it. That if this was a real thing, there's no, there's no zero point where you can get whatever it originally was. Sure. You yeah, know. it's become very fuzzy and. Yeah, but people, this is this is one that you guys, if you if this interests you, type in Polybius into Google and you will go down a rabbit hole because there is a lot about this stuff. Mm. You know, there's a lot about Stephen Roach. There's a lot about there's a lot of accounts of people playing the game and and supposedly remembering seeing the game in arcades. So yeah, that is my story, the story of Polybius. I have That's always loved this story. I like yeah. anything, any weird urban legends about video games. Huh. You know, but and I'd never heard so of many it, of them but... are, are creepypastas, like the Ben Drowned. I don't know if you ever heard of that one where mm-hmm. somebody got, I think it was Legend of Zelda. What was the mask one? Majora's Mask. Mm. Or I, it might have been that or the, the Ocarina of Time, Ocarina of Time, whatever that's called, where somebody bought a used copy of the game and the person who they you know when they started it up the person that had played it was named ben okay and then they started playing it and stuff started getting really weird in the game like it would play the music backwards and things were happening in the game that weren't supposed to happen and it turned out that the kid ben that had played a drown and he was kind of taking over the game so there's there's a lot of creepy pastas about video games hmm. Have you ever, this reminds me, there, I saw this on Facebook, I think, maybe it, be, it might be on the Paranormal Palaver page where this guy's playing a video game and it's when you, you can play co-op and he has a headset on and you can talk to other people, obviously, and this little kid keeps showing up on the game saying, I can't find my mommy and there's yeah, like, Yeah, oh, I, I did, I did so see that. so weird. Yeah. The guy gets really freaked out. Yeah. Because there's somebody in the room with the kid or whatever and it just reminds me of that. Yeah, there's a lot of video game scary video game creepypastas hmm. but this this was one of the first ones and i remember when this one actually kind of came out i remember hearing about this and being fascinated by this because i love yeah it's pretty cool i love like the mind control stuff i'm like super fascinated by mk ultra and all that right. so i feel like it's plausible that's the thing it's totally i mean the army the government did stuff they did mk ultra oh, totally. experiments so we're gonna have a whole episode on that but i could see this being a thing where they wanted to create something like this that to see how it would affect people's minds and then mm-hmm. it worked way too well so they destroyed whatever they had. Right. But I still think it's just a story. 
Right. But I think it's a really, really that fascinating story. That just got blown story. out of proportion. Kind yeah. Of but and... this is a rabbit hole. If you guys are interested, look up Polybius and you'll find tons of stuff. Hmm. Cool. How much time? We're just over an hour. Wow. That was a short one. Yeah. It <laughs> was really short. That's okay, though. Yeah. An hour is not that short. We're no. usually like an hour and 20, aren't we? Usually an hour 15, hour and 20. Yeah. Wow, that was. I thought we were going to kind of go too long. Oh, no. But we really didn't. It'll probably take us 10, 15 minutes just to sign off. <laughs> probably. <laughs> yeah, that was a cool story, though. Yeah. That's interesting. So that was our that was our My Favorite Mini Mystery episode. I love episode. Stuff like that. I yeah. hope you guys liked it. Uh, My story will probably need more editing than Kurt's, but that's okay. Not really. I, yeah, I'm more of a commentary person. I'm not a read off a sheet of paper kind of person. <laughs> <laughs> a couple people, I was telling Krista this on the ride here, that a couple people said they wish they would have got their hands on our unedited, our accidentally released unedited episode. So Krista and I said, like, in one of the upcoming episodes, we're just going to not edit it. And yeah. then you guys can hear. It's not really that exciting. <laughs> you're just going to hear, you're gonna hear me next. stumble over words yeah. and then get mad because I can't pronounce them. Long pauses. Long pauses. Probably <laughs> Krista getting up to see who the hell's out in the hallway of the school making <laughs> yeah. all that racket. So them we'll, we'll release an unedited episode so you guys can see yeah. what it's like. There's a couple where we have used salty language or yeah. said inappropriate things. But for the most part, all you guys are missing are pauses. Yeah. Nothing exciting. Me going, uh. Uh, we'll edit this out. Yeah, we'll a lot of us out. saying, we'll edit this out. <laughs> <laughs> so and that's that, what clued people into the fact that we put the, uh, I put the unedited version up is there was a lot of, yeah, we'll just edit that out. <laughs> I'll just never forget that night because I was at work and all of a sudden I'm getting all these texts that, oh, I think you guys released <laughs> that one you weren't supposed to. Not you guys. It was me. Yeah. That was Krista. But that's okay. Mm-hmm. It was a bonus, a bonus for our yeah, early downloaders. We'll call it that. <laughs> so we'll, for our Patreons. In the very near future, we'll do an unedited episode so you guys can see what it's like. Yeah. So hopefully you like this. This was, if you guys like this, we will definitely do it again. Oh, uh, my yeah. brother, Corey, said he'd actually like to sit in on one of these where we each, the three of us, pick a, a mini mystery. Yeah, that'd be I kind cool. of already have one in mind that I'd want to do. So I'm going to hold that one up there. Um, this week, this is our... What episode was this? Our fifth? Five. This was our fifth episode. So mm-hmm. probably the day after you guys are listening to this or the two days after, probably Tuesday. I'll probably do it Tuesday. I'm going to put up a covered, partially covered list of our next five topics. I'm still coming up with how we're going to do the rules, but whoever is going to, whoever figures out what the five topics are is going to get a $25 Amazon gift code that you can... Type into your Amazon account and then you'll have $25 there you can Sweet. use for whatever you want. So we'll probably do that this week. I know what some of the episodes are going to be, but I don't know what all of them are going to be. Okay. So It'll even be a surprise to me. Yeah. I, we talked about two of them. I just need to know what the next one is. <laughs> <laughs> you know so what the I next can... one is because I think we talked about it on the way here. Okay. You'll have to remind me. I'll remind you when the mics are off. Yeah. So we're going to do that this week. So whoever gets them right first, $25 for you. Not Sweet. bad. No, I love Amazon. You I do too. I uh, on Amazon. You know, we've talked about this that that two years ago or whatever. I got like hardcore into the survey sites and mm-hmm. Ibotta and stuff like that. And within a year, I had a thousand dollars saved up. Wow. I just pay- started Ibotta. I love That's Ibotta. That's pretty cool. But I did a lot of the survey sites that I did. I mostly wanted PayPal, mm. but a lot of the survey sites that I did didn't have PayPal, so I took it in Amazon. So at one point, I had like. $195 in my Amazon account and I don't 
buy a lot of stuff from Amazon because it gets jacked. It gets stolen out of our hallways in my apartment complex <laughs> oh, for starters. Yeah. But I just don't buy a lot of stuff online. So I usually use it for downloading music. Mm, but sure. even then, there wasn't that much I wanted. So I that, I think like still, I still have like $100 sitting in there that I don't. I'd buy books or something. Yeah, I just thing. for your Kindle or no book actual, books. actual. I'm I'm a I want to hold on to a book. And I am too. Smell the I can't do Kindle. I've I've tried. I love the smell of books. Yep. Like I'm not a Kindle person. No, I'm I have trying. an app on my phone. I've hardly used it. I have a Kindle app too. I use it for some of my friends have published stuff that mm. I use it for, but I've tried like Stephen King books and stuff, and I'm like, no, I have to actually I physically like to hold, it. hold it. Yeah. I don't know. I if like I'm just seeing old that fashioned. bookmark of how far you are. No, I'm old. I'm totally old fashioned. I like libraries. I, I'm a book person. I like, you know, smearing up the page with whatever I'm eating at the time. <laughs> are you a dog ear? No, no, me neither. No, and I'm bookmark not a bookmarker. I know where I end. Really? You know, oh, I, I always end at the. I always stop at the end of a chapter. Yeah, you know, I like Stephen King too. His chapters are super short. Yeah, they they'll are. be like a page. <laughs> they are. So if you're really tired, you're like, oh, one more chapter. Yep. Means you might just have a page to go. And I love Stephen King's short story books. Me too. I yeah, really the like collections. Those. But then on the other hand, I like the Dark Tower, which was seven huge books. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, got a little <laughs> off track. There. Got a little <laughs> off track there. But hey, this went. The episode actually went shorter than I thought. I was worried that we were going to actually be like longer, way longer no. than an hour and a half. Nope, we're just over an hour. The Polybius stuff, I don't know if I could have really gone much more into it. Unless you got into, found stories of people who really played the game or yeah. claim they did. But how do you substantiate that? I don't know. I still think it's fascinating. It is totally. So there there was, there was your there were your mysteries. Yeah, uh, if you know plane crash and, uh, is, a plane crash and a mind-controlling video game. Yeah. So couldn't, be total, couldn't be more different. More, more different. So let us know what you think. We will probably do this again in the near future. We always talked about coming here and doing a short episode to release when it snowed, but mm-hmm. we didn't really have any problem with the snow. Not yet. Not yet. Knock on wood. Yeah. It's it's only March. It's only March. <laughs> in Wisconsin. Yeah. We could be snowbound here one night. You never know. Right. So let us know what you think. As always, thank you so much for listening. Do you have anything else, Krista? No. Nope. Nothing? Nothing. It's weird getting done recording when it's still light outside. I know. I love it. I'm going to get home (laughs) and it's going to be light outside. Yeah. But my sleep is still a little screwed up from the whole daylight savings time thing, which I wish they would just get rid of because (laughs) I don't like it. (laughs) Yeah. I don't really get it either. No. But that's an episode for another time. Yeah. (laughs) So. (laughs) On that note. On that note, I was going to say something else and I totally forgot what it was. you lost it. I lost it. I lost it. It was a lie. It probably was a lie. <laughs> oh, I still have soda left. I really like the soda. It's pretty good. Oh my god, yeah. It's like drinking a peanut butter jelly sandwich. <laughs> so, from Krista and I, until next time, stay, stay strange. strange. This has been an Old School Media production, executive produced by Kirk Konechny. For more information and content, please visit strangesessions.com.